And Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan, as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men laid down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in this house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills, and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. 
and the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Afternoon. Uh, we're back in Joshua, and uh, you remember last week uh, we were seeing that God makes the people a promise. Uh, what is that promise? He's going to give them the land. That promise is to bring his people into the land of Canaan. We saw that it's a promise that stretches back to Abraham and still applies to each of us today. Within this promise, there is eternal blessings for the people of God. And also the other side, which is the penalty of death for those who fall under God's judgment. Chapter 1 contains the instructions for crossing the Jordan. Remember with Joshua and the people uh, getting ready. Chapter 2, we'd expect to read of just that them doing what they, they're prepared to do across the Jordan but that doesn't come until chapter 3 the scene shifts entirely and we're transported from Joshua and the people along with two unnamed men behind enemy lines and I don't just mean into the territory actually within the fortified walls of Jericho with such a long and lengthy interlude you might ask why this part of the plot why is it here what does it show us after all, it doesn't add much to, to God's intel, does it? The Lord doesn't need the intelligence uh, to find out what the Canaanites are doing behind closed doors, as if he didn't know. And the mission doesn't exactly get off to a great start. Uh, forgive the understatement, but let's read verses 1 to 3. And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the man who, men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. We're not told whether Joshua intended them, uh, the two men, to infiltrate the citadel, or simply to, to, to scout it out from a distance. But whatever their plan was, getting detected was not part of it. Again, a huge understatement, but it's not looking good if the king knows your whereabouts, the gates are locked, and his men are closing in on your exact location. So what do we get from this odd story of two spies who uh, fail at their mission? Well, from here on in, we see God's sovereign purpose unveiled. And his plans, their plans may have been one thing, but God's plans are two things, and they're to, for two different audiences. Uh, his first is to, to build confidence in his people, and we'll see that when we get to verse 24 with the report that they bring back. Uh, the second thing is to showcase his mercy, even at the last hour, and we're going to see that in Rahab. And we're going to just walk through the story and we're going to see his sovereignty in four ways. And actually it's the details, the even the tiniest details of the story uh, that we're going to see his um, hand in. So I've got four pictures up on my screen. I'll send them to you on the on the chat. Um, 
What, the first one is an Airbnb listing for Rahab's Inn, the Traveller's Inn in the wall. And uh, first we're going to see God's sovereignty in a shady location. If you think about it, of all the houses in Jericho, why did they choose this one? <laughs> it's certainly an unlikely choice, isn't it, for Jews, uh, the people of God. Um unlikely place to stay it's not that unusual if you think that they were perhaps looking for a place a vantage point and somewhere where they'd have cover the vantage point is that the house was against the city wall and so perhaps they thought they could size up the strength of the fortifications and the the cover it provided was that it had many traveling guests from outside of jericho so they wouldn't stand out too much And given the type of service that was provided there, they were unlikely to be asked too many questions either. Whatever their own reasons or strategy uh, for for the spies choosing this house, they end up here, at this house, the house of Rahab. Secondly, we see it in the fact that of Rahab's occupation. And this might be surprising, but you actually see God using some of the skills that Rahab would have uh, developed in her line of work her occupation fits the skills we see her use to keep the men safe so quick thinking we see that don't we let's read from verse 4 but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them and she said true the men came to me but I did not know where they came from and when the gate was about to be closed at dark the men went out I don't know where the men went pursue them quickly for you will overtake them but she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. So Rahab knows exactly where to hide the men. She thinks on her feet, doesn't she? Straight away, up to the roof, and know exactly what to do. She's also quick talking. She can spin a cover story and make it believable, even on the spot, and she can lie through her teeth. It might be surprising to see that behind even the most questionable of actions by Rahab is the Lord God, who himself frustrates the plans of the wicked. Yet again, he's foiled their best plans and kept his people safe. So the third picture then is Rahab. And it's a a radical conversion that God uses to show his sovereignty. And this is where we see him extended his mercy to those who are outside of the people of God. A radiant conversion. So I want to ask you this question. Uh, If you were trying to give the people of God something that would encourage them uh, for for what lay ahead for for the invading the land and conquering the land, what would you give them? What kind of report would you give them? Would you want a report that said, uh, you know, the 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 wall is flimsy, you, you know, you can get you can push it down? Um, would you want a report that said the people, yeah, the army is just inadequate? Um, with there's many more of us than there is of them. Would you want that kind of report? Well, actually, that kind of report would surely only create confidence in ourselves or the people in themselves, wouldn't it? They can, they'd go away thinking, we can do it. 
No, that wasn't what I asked. What would what's going to build their confidence in the Lord? And that's exactly what we see here. Uh, we see God uh, building His conf- confidence in His people, but in in Him, that He is the one who is able to do what He has said He's going to do. And He uses a radiant conversion to do it. Uh, the conversion of Rahab. So they get, get this, they get an accurate report from a reliable source. Rahab's custom meant that she'd heard from many travelling to Jericho from all over Canaan. And the message is, is the same. Everyone's in fear. Saying, have you heard what the Lord did, the Lord their God did at the Red Sea and to the two kings east of the Jordan? She says that in verse eight, uh, verse 9. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. So not only is this an accurate report, it is widespread. She's done the survey because they've all come to, to where she is in Jericho. Uh, from all over Canaan, and God's been bringing that about sovereignly. But it's it's, it's from a reliable source, and uh, it's from someone who unexpectedly has been radically converted by that truth. Isn't it surprising to us that in a brothel in the land of Canaan, a godless place with many other deities and, 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 and where people worship many other things, that what is being spoken about is the Lord God and his mighty works. That should be surprising to us. I'm sure it was surprising to to these men to turn up at this place of all places and to find a Christian, someone who had put their faith in what they'd heard about the Lord God and his mighty works. And way before any Israelite or anyone even considered going there or being a missionary, we don't get any impression that the, the spies even were on a, an evangelistic uh, journey or, or reason to be there. But when these reports had reached Rahab's ears, that, that chitter-chatter um, in, in the workplace about what God had been doing, the Lord had used that and wonderfully granted her faith. She believed it. And we see that, don't we? Because... She goes from saying what everyone heard in verse 10 to what she thinks about it in verse 11. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heavens above and on the earth beneath. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. What started off as information has gone much deeper. She's not saying, oh, yeah, I think I remember hearing something like that. The mighty works of God, the Red Sea. And what was it? The kings? Yeah, that's right. Or as perhaps we'd say, yep, yeah, that's in the Bible. The reports have caused Rahab to see and declare who God is. God has granted her faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And Rahab has faith. And, and we see that, don't we, really? In, in the transformation 
not just in what Rahab declares about who God is, which is remarkable in itself, but in the fact that she, without a moment's thought really, uh, does some pretty dangerous things that put everything else that she would have put her security in, in jeopardy. She considers it all, it all loss. And she switches sides. <laughs> you know, they, you can't see a more, a more obvious demonstration of switching sides. You know, she might have had lots of money coming in, a good citizenship in a, in a great city, in an up-and-coming place. But if you're on the losing side, then you're going to lose it all. And that's what Rahab realises. The Lord your God is God everywhere. He is God everywhere in the heavens and on the earth beneath. And with that declaration is decisive action. Rahab doesn't just leave it there. She doesn't. She's not the person who comes to church and sings, the Lord is the God of heaven and earth and walks away. No, she does something. Her life is radically different. And that's why the Bible shows Rahab as being the example of of faith. Uh, James picks it up and says, faith without works is dead because faith always produces um, a change. So what does Rahab do? Well, she's she's jeopardised every other thing that promised her security. I said her business, her citizenship and even her own life to help these men. She just met them. It's It's ludicrous if you from one angle isn't it and yet it's absolutely uh, the right thing a decisive and irreversible action is proof that her only hope now is in the lord god that in his coming and imminent judgment that he alone will save her she's absolutely sure of that isn't she that he is her only hope and that's why she asks for mercy so in verse 12 she says now then so she's got a request and the request is to be saved. She asked the men, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will de- deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. She knows that she's in order to switch sides, she, she needs the mercy of God. She was on the wrong side. She was facing his judgment. And to not receive that judgment is to receive his mercy. And not just for her. <laughs> she wants her whole family. Isn't that amazing? She, wa- she wants everyone around her to experience this as well. But that is faith. That's the, that's the faith that is brought about, that God gives. Um, as we hear his mighty works. And as he brings that truth to light. Um, the men, when you notice she asks for a sign. And what sign is she given? Well, she's told, isn't she, uh, later on. Um, unless the scarlet cord is in your window. And unless the people are in the house. Um, you will not be safe. In verse 18, Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. 
Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. And what does Rahab do? Well, she ties the scarlet cord in the window straight away, in verse 21. So the faith, the hope being in the only thing that the Lord alone can save her, um, is is in the uh, the fact that she ties the cord in her window. She she acts upon it, and that um, picture of the cord hanging in the the threshold, uh, a red symbol, uh, should remind us really of the uh, instructions that the Lord gave to Israel in Egypt, because they were to too were to make a mark above the door place, um, and it was the blood from the lamb sacrifice. Without this, they too would face the same judgment as everyone else. The Egyptians too. No, no partiality. They, they needed uh, this redemption. They needed to be safe from the coming judgment too. And it was the, um, the judgment was going to be the death of the firstborn. And this event uh, in Egypt, and, and even the redemption thread that we see here in this chapter, points us to the great event and the great sacrifice bringing redemption. The, the wooden cross where Jesus bled and died. It's the only sacrifice that can keep anyone safe from judgment. Because in taking on himself the judgment of God, the wrath of God for sin, sinners in the coming judgment will not have to face face that. And the Lord is coming to judge the earth. It's imminent. And the only thing that will keep people safe on that day is if they trusted in the blood of Jesus. Back to Jericho then, and we're just seeing the last thing that shows the, the Lord's sovereignty. And he does it to build the confidence of his people in him to achieve what he's promised and the future, even when it doesn't look like it. And it's a perfect escape, isn't it? We've been waiting on this cliff, cliffhanger from verse 7. Notice in verse 7 they said the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. So all of the action uh, movie lovers around, uh, in, uh, if, you're, if, if that's you, uh, will be on bated breath to wonder how um, these guys are going to escape now that the gate is shut. They're like mice in a trap, aren't they? Well, this is a, a theme in jo- uh, Joshua that whenever the action grinds to a halt, um, we're not meant to sort of uh, get distracted by uh, the snacks or the, the popcorn. We're meant to listen in more carefully um, to what's being said in the dialogue because that's where the real, um, where, the, where the truth that we're meant to be um, hearing uh, spoken of. And we've heard that, haven't we, in Rahab's words, a declaration about who God is and what he can bring. And what she needs. Uh, but finally then, the perfect escape. Let's have a look at um, verse 14. And the men said to her, our life for yours even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us a land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then Rahab let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. So 
not only is Rahab's house part of the city wall, but there's a strategically placed window and presumably a very long rope. And Rahab can even give them detailed instructions for what to do after they've left the city to get them safely uh, through uh, to where they came from. That's an extraordinary amount of detail, isn't it? And it made me wonder that maybe that God had been preparing this all along. Maybe some of Rahab's former customer clients needed a swift exit uh, from authorities or those they cheated. And that, that this had been long in the making. That it's tried and tested. We're not told that. But we are told that the instructions are followed by the men and they work absolutely to the, to the last detail. So even the fact that they are meant to spend three days um, in hiding in the hills and that that's the length of time that they hadn't planned to spend, um, but they end up spending in the hills. And if you remember back to when Joshua um, was giving the people the amount of time that they'd have to prepare before entering before they pass over the Jordan in uh, chapter one, verse 11. He says, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan. Isn't that amazing? God's plan all along was to showcase his mercy to this family, Rahab and her family. And to build the confidence of his people by this means. And that they would have confidence in him in the future that he'd promised. And to bring that about, even through the most um, adversity and um, overcoming the most hurdles. And so the three days that Joshua had said, even before they had this diversion and this delay, um, was exactly the amount of time they needed. And and exactly the amount of time before the two men returned in verse 22 to 23. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to them. So what seemed at first like a huge uh, interlude to the the story, to the plan, uh, to cross the Jordan, was in fact God's plan. And it was a plan to prepare Joshua and the people and Rahab and her family for what he's about to do. The Lord has shown, along with the whole of Canaan, what he is about to do. So actually no one can say that they they make the case for saying we weren't aware of this. He's actually given all people a warning of what he's going to do. And Rahab show, Rahab's unique example shows us what faith um, is produced. Uh, true faith that comes by hearing that. And that God has given to her. And it, faith is not something um, that she's brought about because she's decided to live a morally decent life some people might like to think that don't they that in order to be acceptable to god um you you need to start to mend your ways and clean up your act rahab was in the midst of her sin she was knee deep in it when the lord met with her and called her out of it so that can't be the case rahab is an example to us that in the midst of our sin the lord finds us he calls us and saves us he plucks us out. It's proof that what saves is the sign of the blood. That's the only thing that will keep her safe, even after everything that's gone on. Unless that cord is in the window, 
unless the blood, the mark of the blood, is is over her, that shows us Jesus' death for sinners and the punishment he took on himself, then she will not be safe. But if it is, she will be kept safe eternally. And I wonder, with all that in mind, I wonder what our response will be. Because we've been hearing, haven't we, and we'll be hearing through Joshua of God's mighty works in what he's done. We've just heard of it, as Rahab has, in bringing bringing his people through the Red Sea and, um, and, and, and bringing destruction on his enemies, the two kings. And next week we're going to be seeing his mighty works in bringing them through the Jordan. And we've heard a bit about his mighty work in providing his son on the cross for our sins. To save us. How will we respond? Will we file this information away in our minds? So that on the very rare occasion, and I mean very rare occasion, where Rahab the name gets mentioned we will confidently say oh that name comes from the bible is that what this is all for no will we consider ourselves uh, to not be that morally indecent and so not in need of the mercy that is on offer here maybe some people will respond like that i guess there's a response isn't there with the guards who they're fearful but they respond with rebellion and they, they they fight it. Or would it be for us a personal recognition of who God is? That he is the Lord of all. And the Lord everywhere. He truly is the Lord God. And he's the God of us. Will we abandon our securities, all, all of these securities that we look to, for the one thing that we can that can keep us secure? in the coming judgment the blood of Jesus that's true of lots of people here at Beckentry Church so why not talk to them and ask them about how this change came about and I'm sure they'd love to talk to you about that You know how God has showed them his mighty hand in judgment and also in salvation his mercy and I, I think there's another encouragement for, for, for the Christians here um, God has stated his plans to us hasn't he uh, that the whole world be filled with the knowledge of him. And his word is true and tells us what we need to know. And yet God also graciously gives us yet more confirmation of that. And it's as we step out with the gospel. I said the spies possibly weren't even looking for um, a gospel opportunity. And yet they, in the midst of those who do not know him, Time and time again, we find that uh, the word of God's mighty works and his judgment has actually gone before us. He's done the preparing. The men come across Rahab in the middle of Jericho, in the most unlikely of places, and she's been radically converted. And so let's be encouraged that as Christians in, in, in amongst um, those who are unbelieving that actually we do a bit of digging we look we do a bit of searching we find that actually there will be those that god has been preparing and um, where his word has already been at work and even some who have already come to faith 
and that we can then lead to 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 know him uh, more um, and with his people let's pray father god we do thank you for this time uh, thank you for helping me to uh, to preach this again um to be clear i guess um and uh, we do pray that you'd um uh write this on our hearts that it wouldn't just be something that's um a thought about you or something we've heard second or third hand about you it'd be something that we um say of you and that you are the lord in the heavens above and on the earth beneath and that you are our god and um pray that we would be humbled by that um to to seek your mercy uh, for those who who know that they're far from you and have been living with many other gods in their lives and um would be deserving of your judgment we pray that we would uh, seek your mercy and uh, we pray that we'd be um, that your people would be confident in uh, through jesus in the future that you're bringing about um that people everywhere will be will, will hear of you and have the chance to repent and we pray that as we uh, go about this week with many different opportunities and people that we'll be spending time with would uh, we'd be anticipating seeing uh, where you've already been at work and just being amazed at the um, the way that you've you've done it in the most likely unlikely of places um thank you so much that you're at work that you're sovereign in both um saving and in your coming judgment amen <laughs>